Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Class is in session, and today I'm going to be pulling back the curtain a bit and looking at what it's like to actually review long games and RPGs for publication. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I had the pleasure of welcoming back to the university Golden Sun Aficionado and writer over at IGN, the wonderful and spectacular Rebecca Valentine. How's it going, Reb? It's going great. Thank you for having me back. I know. Well, I... After the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet reviews came out and all the craziness with that, I was like, I would love to sit down and talk with you about deadlines and like lifting embargoes and just how kind of, like I said, pull back the curtain a bit on what really goes into trying to review an RPG. And I mean, you've done, you've reviewed, at least for IGN, a number of RPGs. You've done Scarlet and Violet, you did Live a Live, Rune Factory 5, Arceus, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, Neo Ends With You, just to name a few. So you are no stranger to the whole RPG review deadline grind, so. You're right! Like, I hadn't, when you started to say that, and I was like, oh, I've only really reviewed Pokemon for IGN. Like, most of my other RPG reviews were, like, before IGN. But no, you're right, I have done, like, Yeah! Yeah. Those are all RPGs or RPG adjacent. Yeah. Oh, I've reviewed a lot more games for IGN than I thought I had. Huh. Yeah. Your first one, according to your writer's page, was Harvest Moon One World Review back on March 12th, 2021. Yeah, that that sounds about right. That was not a good game. <laughs> I mean, it was it was aggressively fine. Yeah. Did I give it a five? That sounds right. I think so. But then, yeah, you did yeah. a lot of farming sims, too. You did Story of Seasons as well. Yeah. Chicory. That's a very... Very fun game. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Ah. so uh, short games, of course. Nothing but short games. Mostly. I mean, yeah. Well, Shikari was short. Yeah. Um, The rest, eh, not so much. Debatably. Debatably. Definitely uh, prospective entries for future AGDQs. Um, Yeah, God. Well, they did Stardew Valley this year at, at GDQ. Uh, like, I think yesterday or the day before or something. That is I true. Missed, and they did I the original it. World End With You um, on Switch, yeah. that Switch port. So Yeah. Oh, I have so many VODs to go back and watch. I've oh, it's so, so good. My my workplace has been under construction, so I've been working from home all, all week. So I haven't had to deal with trying to get around a firewall to, to watch the stream. <laughs> so it's been lovely. Oh, that's awesome. But... But yeah, before we dive into the topic at hand, um, how was how was your break? Uh, what what games did you send off twenty twenty two on? Oh wow! So I like I ended the year kind of in the space of not really knowing what I wanted to play. I think because Scarlet and like I, I spent so much time on Scarlet and Violet in November, and then I was also doing because like you review a big game like that, and then you're also doing continuing coverage. So, yeah, like I was. Even after I had turned in the review, I was still playing it for like another month, just doing whatever other writing they needed me to do around that game. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of slowing down a little bit in December. And then also I, so I, 
I feel I have like so many this this could be a whole like other podcast. I have like many conflicted feelings about World of Warcraft, uh, especially with everything that's happened with Activision Blizzard. Um I mm-hmm. tend not I, I do still play World of Warcraft. I have a raiding guild of friends that I play with and I play it very socially and that's you know the main reason why I do. I don't talk about playing it a lot anymore because I feel like a little iffy about giving Blizzard lots and lots of free PR. Yeah. Uh, for especially on Twitter. Uh, after everything that's gone on, I'm kind of like waiting for them to get their act together and clean mm-hmm. the house a little bit more. Uh, but I, I have been playing a lot of World of Warcraft uh, and raiding, and so that was that was kind of a big time suck in December. And then I played Norco, uh, kind of at the start at the end of December, start of January. Uh, I played that on Xbox Game Pass, and that that was really good. Uh, that uh, that's been getting a lot of award nominations, and I think especially for the writing, I think it, it deserves that very much. Oh, that's cool. Now, I'm curious, you brought up Activision Blizzard. What's your take, like your personal take on the whole merger craziness? I think... Do you think it's going to go through? I think it will, eventually. I think it will continue to meet challenges. I, I ultimately think it will go through. Uh, I think the challenges are warranted. I think the main... The, the thing that's going on here, like the, the 3D chess of it all. I mean, we could like, again, this is like a yeah, whole other podcast. It's a whole other thing. Tear, tear every individual <laughs> thing apart. But the sort of big overarching narrative is Xbox can, Microsoft absolutely can acquire Activision Blizzard. Every company under the sun knows, like, like Sony knows that they legally probably can get this through. But the goal now is to get them to make as many concessions as possible in this acquisition to weaken them as a competitor. So, like, the best example is sort of this whole back and forth over Call of Duty, right? Like, everyone's like, oh, what about Call of Duty? What about Call of Duty? Realistically, Microsoft does not have a good reason to make Call of Duty exclusive anytime remotely soon. Like, even if nobody had challenged them on this and the acquisition went through easily, it would be a stupid business move to take the next Call of Duty and just make it exclusive because the vast majority of the audience that is not on Xbox already would just say, screw that, I'm going to go to some other, I'm going to go play something else. Like, I don't need this that that badly. Uh, You need us more than we need you. And that's, that's exactly what would happen. But everybody is now bullying the heck out of Microsoft to get them to make the promises that they are currently making. So they're going to Nintendo and they're like, oh, you can have Call of Duty for however, like 10 years is whatever they yeah. said. Uh, they're making this offer to Sony. They're making this offer to Valve for some reason. Uh, and, and all these other concessions that they're having to make on this, all all these sort of like little things that they're saying, oh, well, we promise that we'll do this. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's, that's the goal of these investigations. Like when they go through this investigation, uh, they're there's a whole like like way that it all works but basically they if they are doing a challenge of some sort a company like microsoft has the opportunity to step back and say okay we recognize that these are valid concerns what if we uh you know made this deal or promised promised this thing or or changed this section of our business like would you let it go through then so the goal is basically just to make them do as much of that as possible uh it's a lot more complicated than that but that's oh, yeah. the overarching thing that's happening and so I think this will absolutely go through. I think Microsoft has plenty more concessions to make, both on the Call of Duty front and probably in other locations too. I saw Nvidia and Google are getting into it with them now over mobile and cloud. Uh, I don't really know what Google's issue with cloud is, given that they failed their own spectacularly failed. Yeah, um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's it, it's that that's what's happening. Yeah. So you know, we'll we'll see them continue to back and forth and back and forth for a while, and then eventually it'll go through and i i think monopolies are bad generally i think i think great i don't think they'll be a total monopoly i think greater consolidation is not great uh but i think that for 
this specific situation mm -hmm. for Activision Blizzard, a company that has like all these, all these issues uh, internally with work, with culture and especially women being treated like crap. Apparently, uh, I I think this probably will end up being all right. Like it won't be. It, it, it'll, it'll probably result in a, a net improvement in Activision Blizzard's overall overall culture. I think so. Here's yeah. hoping, but I hope so too. yeah, I I think it's. It made me chuckle when they announced that the next Call of Duty or the next few Call of Duties were coming to Switch. And it's like, that yeah, that's what people have been holding out for. Like, that's why people are, are upset. They wanted their Call of Duty on Switch. And it's just like, uh, just just silly concessions, but concessions nonetheless. But good, good, good info. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be wild. Also, this is not to say that, that uh, Microsoft is, like, perfect or anything oh, in terms of God, no. culture either. But I, I think they're probably a damn sight better than Activision Blizzard at this point. Yeah. I think a turd on a log and is better than a lot of the upper management of Activision Blizzard at this point, but Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yes, so as I mentioned at the start of the show, we are going Reb and I have both reviewed numerous RPGs, long games for various websites. Reb obviously for IGN. Um did you also do reviews for Game Industry was more about um financials and more of the industry breakdowns they don't do so much reviews and stuff right yeah yeah i didn't do any reviews there but uh before i worked for games industry not biz i was a contract writer for a site called app trigger formerly called game cited uh app trigger was not a website about apps uh ostensibly it was a website about games of all of all kinds and i did a lot of reviews there i actually had one of the one of the small things i'm more proud of in my career that i don't really get to talk about all that often is that you know app trigger was a very like it was, it was not a known site when mm -hmm. I started working there. And uh, in the time that I was there and sort of helping uh, part of a two-person team kind of heading up the reviews, uh, I got us on Metacritic. And oh, nice. Just by, by, like, pushing really hard and, and reapplying year after year. And, you know, we eventually we did enough reviews and got enough codes and access that we eventually got there. And so I'm, I was really proud of that effort. Oh, very cool. I think they're still on it. I don't think they do nearly as much mm -hmm. as we were doing when we were there at the time anymore. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm quite proud of that. So yeah, I did lots and lots of reviews back then. Well, that's cool. I, the I did not know. The first game I reviewed was The Sims 4 when it came out. Either that or it was one of the tel the like the one of the Telltale Walking mm -hmm. Dead's. I don't remember which one it was. But oh, I think, interesting. I think about The Sims 4 a lot because The Sims 4 is still going and I still play all the packs. And I'm like, oh wow, I reviewed this when it first came out, and it's been a very long time later, but. They announced Sims 5, didn't they? Or did I imagine that? They announced... I don't think or they Or Sims called Next? It, yeah, they didn't, or something? yeah, they didn't call it Sims 5, but it was like a, hey, this is going to be the next generation of The Sims. That, that kind of thing. Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. Yeah, looks cool, whatever it's going to be. Whenever it comes out. But with reviews, so take us, from your perspective... Kind of take us through the review process of a game at at a site like IGN. What goes through or like what happens um, when you get assigned a game for review on your end? So the the typical way these reviews are assigned is there we have we have an executive or sorry director of reviews now uh, director of reviews Dan Stapleton great person love working with him uh, he has a big spreadsheet. Of all the games that are going to come out this year, they have release dates, they release windows, whatever, games that have been announced that might come out this year, any game you could possibly think of that might come out soon, 
it, it is in the spreadsheet. And we can go through and we can mark anything we're interested in. We're encouraged to, like, if there's already names on it, if we think, oh, I really love this, but don't think I'll have time. Like, just put your name on it, see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, and then from that thing of interest, he will reach out to you when something is coming up. Uh, oh, and if something's not on there, you can add it. So if there's a game you're interested in and it's not on the list, you can add it. Um, but he will come to you uh, when it's roughly time to start looking at codes or when he gets, when, when codes are coming around. And we'll say, hey, uh are you up for this and i think i i don't know what goes into his decision making process yeah. that's a question for him but you're you're never in a situation there's enough people at ign you're never in a situation where you're reviewing two things at once um tries to keep it equitable i because i'm mainly an investigative reporter i only review like two to three things a year because it is very time consuming um and so he he comes comes to you and says hey do you want to do this uh if you have time if you have the energy you check with your boss you do it and you're not if you're on the reviews team you just do it but if you're not on the reviews team you check in yeah. Um, and you get the game and you play it and we have, we have, you know, some rules about what you have to do. If it's a, if it has multiplayer components, you have to test the online multiplayer. So that's why, and that's kind of why in the case of Scarlet and Violet, uh, we didn't publish a review. One of the reasons we didn't publish a review when the embargo lifted because the online had not been turned on yet. And one of the rules is you have to test the online. Uh, so there's that you have to, you have to finish the game by like, and I get questions about like what it means to finish a game. It's like a reasonable person's definition of finishing yeah. a game. Like it's not, there's not like a hard, oh, you have to see the credits or whatever, but it, it, it's a reasonable person's definition. So it is like, yeah, if for most games, that does mean seeing the credits. Uh, yeah. If it's something like, I'm trying to think of a good example. If it's a game that has like a fake out credits or like two sets of credits or, or there's a clear like, like the like the credits have rolled, but you have not mm -hmm. tested out the full expanse of the game yet. Like you have to finish it. Like like what a normal person would call that. And that's actually a much easier definition than I think a lot of weirdos on the internet try to make it. Um, if you're not, if, if there's it's not a what, bait and switch. Like you're not no. trying to trick people into thinking it's like, well, finish. What do you mean by that? What denotes finishing? It's like you yeah, just finishing it. like like can you can you come into an argument and say yes i finished it i did x y and z and the story was over and i had done all these things like like yeah you have to be able to defend it in front of people who have not necessarily played that game before uh like your reviews editor so yeah you finish the game mm -hmm. and then at ign it's i think it's a little more involved than most sites because we have both a text and video component so what i would do uh if i once i finish the game i will sit down and i will write my review um there's there's a very broad range of like word count is usually between X. It's, I think, I think the, I don't remember what he has down there. It's something like between like 1500 words and like 4,000 or something. And it's like, what, wherever it fits in here, like, you know, write, write as much as you need to. Yeah. Uh, and I write it and he has like, he has a really good guide as to like what goes into a good review. Like, did you consider, have you talked about the combat? If there's combat, have you talked about, uh the the music and the sound design like mm -hmm. like a, a, a series of like prompts like oh these are things that your game may or may not have but if it does have have you considered talking about them uh so you write write this thing and you turn it in and one of our reviews editors dan or tom usually uh will edit it get it back to you you address their edits go back and forth however long it takes and you get when you start getting really close to being done with your written review uh oh and i oh, sorry i guess the other important part is part of that review is scoring it so IGN has, everybody uses, it's not everybody scores. Uh, the people who do score, all of them have different like ways they do that. Uh, for IGN, we have a 10 point scale and there is a page that we can open that has all 10 numbers on it and a description and examples of what that number is. So like a 10 mm -hmm. 
it, oh, I actually, I should get our verbiage right. I need to, like, open the page. I actually don't remember what our word for 10 is, because I've never given a 10 before. No, uh, But, like, a se- the, the, the joke and idea is that a 7 is good. Like, people complain about getting 7s. A 7 means good. A game is good. That's what yeah. <laughs> So, I'm curious, wait, in regards to the finish it, what, how does, does IGN want reviewers to approach if there's, uh, post-game content, like secret bosses or kind of epilogue things that, or not, I don't even want to say epilogue things because I think that would, finishing those is, definitely falls within um, fo- finishing it, but like super bosses that say unlock after you beat the game or uh, so like an extra a dungeon. Ma- a 10 is a masterpiece. Uh, so I think, I think like there's not a hard and fast rule around it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think what would happen is like, very much depends on the game. If yeah. it is if it is just, oh, you can kind of run around the world and there's some extra side quests you can do, it's probably not a big deal. Uh, if there are if there's like an extensive post game, then you do want to be able to talk about that, right? Like that's an right. important component of the review. I think the thing that people forget is that the bat like everybody that IGN employs to do this are like people who are professional critics or professional in some way. Mm-hmm. So it's people who get who finish a game and then see that there's a post game and they're like, oh, I should see what this is so I can write about it. Like, yeah, like that's basically what it is. So I haven't, I mean, I don't know. There, I don't think there's anything written in the rules about it, but I also, I don't think I've read an IGN review where it was clear there was just this massive post game and they just completely ignored it. I mean, there's definitely, there's yeah. definitely times where there's been an embargo preventing people from talking about it, but it was never a situation where they just flat out said, Oh, well, I don't have to mess with this. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to deal with it. So yeah, if there's like a bunch of, extra bonus dungeons or a bunch of extra like bosses or something yeah like even if you don't beat them you don't have to finish it all in that case but at least like check them out and see that it's there and talk yeah about mention what it experiences like i think a really good example of this actually was this line being blurred was pokemon legends arceus for me mm-hmm. uh so the credits roll at like what i don't remember it was like 30 hours in something like that maybe um but the story's not done like the story quest keeps going and when I was reviewing this, I felt that the ending that I got when the credits rolled was really unsatisfying. And so I assumed that if I finished the story quest, I would get a satisfying ending. Well, the story quest, involved, part of that is you have to catch every single Pokemon, including like Pokemon that are locked behind these very intricate fetch quests, not fetch quests, uh, yeah. like coll- collectible quests like Spiritomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me a long time, like many, many more hours. And then the result of that is you get, not to spoil Legends Arceus for people, but the result of finishing that story quest is a a very, very difficult, like, not really a secret boss, but like an extra epilogue kind of boss. And then that's it. And so I think on paper, I did not actually have to do all of that in order to give a thorough review of Pokemon Legends Arceus. Mm-hmm. But did I do it anyway because I felt like my experience was incomplete? Yes, and I think the vast majority of IGN reviewers would have a similar feeling in that situation where, like, oh, I'm a person who criticizes games for a living. I have been introduced to this post-game content that is clearly meaningful in some way. My experience is not complete until I have addressed this in some way. Yeah. If that all makes sense. No, 100%. Um, RPG site is very much the same way in regards to really the whole process. We don't have, I guess, a break, like a prompt breakdown of like what to include in the, um, in our reviews, but that's actually a really good idea. I feel like I should just make a template. It's not mandatory to be clear. It's just a, Hey, 
like maybe you forgot about this did you remember to consider if this is important or not yeah um but no we have a spreadsheet we sign up we get it assigned and sometimes it's hey we have an extra code of this or hey reviewer fell through or we can't or came up with something can someone take it and then we volunteer but it's very much in the same way and then you go back and forth with editors and i just want to say shout out to editors the true true heroes of any place with writing 100 (laughs) percent um yeah so yeah well i was gonna say so ign reviews go further than that so we have the written review and then once once it's in pretty close to done shape we then have to make a video review as well for almost Mm -hmm. every game we review and that basically involves turning your written review into a script so when people hear someone i I get all these dumb comments that are like oh it sounds like she was just reading off a script yes a script (laughs) that i wrote thank you yeah uh (laughs) So you, you turn your written review into a script. Uh, you get that. That also goes through an editing process, like same as the written one does, mm-hmm. because you, you do have to cut it down. Uh, you have to like chop it down so it's in a digestible format for video. Um, and then after I have uh, after I have written it, I will voice. I will do a voiceover. So I will I will read it through and record it. And then I will go through the script and I have to annotate. So while playing whatever game I've played, I have taken tons and tons. I've captured tons and tons of video footage Mm -hmm. and I have uploaded that footage and I now have to go through and annotate my script. So if I have a section where I'm like, oh, and I love the way the trees look, then I will like annotate a little section with a timestamp of where like where some trees are visible so people can see how nice they look. And mm-hmm. that is a time consuming. Oh God. Ass, yes. I don't know if I can say ass on here. Yeah. A time consuming process. Uh, it is, it takes so long to do this. Yes. This is like my least annotating scripts is at least favorite, my least favorite part of my job. Uh, so annotate a script and then it goes off to our video team who then have to cut it together into a video. And then it goes back and forth between me, the video team and the video editors where we're like, Oh, Hey, uh, actually this isn't quite what i wanted here and usually their video team is very very good and they usually get like it 97 right the first time but mm-hmm. they weren't the ones who played the game and they weren't the ones who wrote the script like naturally they can't see what's in your head so like there's always there's always like a little thing where you have to be like hey what about this or whatever but so it goes back and forth a couple times like it's normal editing um and then and then it's done at that point and then everything has to be like sort of you know packaged and put together for publication built into cms all this other stuff yeah so that process alone from me starting to write the review to the finish the finished video product if we are all rushing and everybody's resources have been poured into it and literally everybody has dropped every other task on their plate to work on this takes about two days Mm -hmm. uh for like normal it should not like normally it would take longer because everybody also has a million other things they're doing on a day-to-day basis but like it's a very very time consuming process uh even if you're rushing it so yeah that's that's making an ign review yeah, and I I can't even imagine going through and annotating a script. So I like I guess I'm lucky in the sense that I've done and am a also like in addition to writer and graphic guy, I also do video. Like I've edited video, I put yeah. together video. So like being able I can't imagine just annotating where I want footage or where in my footage I'm sending over you can find the stuff. I have the luxury of just being able to take my stuff di- directly into Premiere and edit it myself. But yeah, I can't imagine that annotation process. That sounds awful. Not going to lie. Yeah, it's not. 
super fun. But it's necessary because <laughs> oh, like, hun- like, yeah. especially if like these people who are who are, these people are very talented editors, but they have never seen this game before. Like they and you might depending on you never know who you're gonna get. Like it's whoever's available at the time. So mm-hmm. it might be somebody who's not even like not everybody can love and be obsessed with every game. So I might end up with a video editor who's not a Pokemon person. And that's totally okay. They don't need to be a Pokemon right. person to do their job to be very good at video editing. But it means that I have to be very specific in my annotations. Like if I'm talking about how cute Meowth looks, I need to be like, Meowth is at this timestamp. Especially when I have like six hours of footage. No one's going to, even if you do know Pokemon, having to scrub through that and find where this Meowth is. No, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And it, it it keeps your video editors happy that they don't have to try and, yeah. and do stuff and um but the the amount of work that goes into an IGN review it's less so at RPG side we don't do too much on the video side but we have the back and forth we have the writing the with the editors and stuff getting adding it to CMS adding the images getting the thumbnails all all set to go but it's i don't think a lot of people on online that might not they just expect like these things just appear that like the people that say it sounds like you're reading from a script it's like i guarantee you you do not want someone not reading from a script for like a published video no absolutely not and yeah like i think all right i'm gathering a brain thought here it's all good there's a there's a this is kind of across all games writing but because games writing evolved out of fandom like it evolved out of people mm-hmm. uh just sort of writing their thoughts into magazines and then turning those into something and blogging and that's great like i don't ever want to diminish that but yeah we are now at a point where this industry is working on a professional level and so there's a lot of people who are just sort of mad online when they can sit down and, you know, they are not professional writers or video editors and they they know that they can sit down and write, you know, a thousand words about what they think about Pokemon in an hour and they're like, oh, well, I could do this easy. I could do your job. It's like, yeah, but can you do it at the level that we are all working at here? Like, yeah. And, and the answer is almost always no. And so there, there's always this kind of like weird tension of like oh any idiot could do this job and i could do it better it's like well i don't know that you actually could there's doing it and doing something well like yes i imagine your average person twitter troll what have you could jot down some notes uh in a google doc saying i like this game because it's a cool game or flesh out but like to have a flow to it to have make just the simple act of reading it interesting and really conveying complex mechanics or, or whatnot that you really want to get across that takes practice. It takes skill. It takes experience. And it's that stuff that you'll quickly realize hmm, maybe it's not as easy as you think. Yeah. And I, I think people also don't, like, I think there's a lot of people who don't, most people know that video editing is a skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people who I don't think see writing as a skill necessarily when it is. And there's yeah. also a lot of people who don't see criticism as a skill. Like, it is actually a skill that you have to hone and develop and practice. Mm-hmm. And the people who are doing it professionally are people who have been, you know, working on it and they have editors 
helping them who have been working on their own critical skills for years. And so it's, it is a skill, like being able to look at something and actually articulate something intelligent and thought out about why it is the way it is or whether that thing is, is quality or not. It's still, it is still subjective. Opinions are subjective, but being able to articulate the reasons behind that in a coherent manner for a large audience is a skill that people can develop and hone other over time. And it's not something that you just, you know, poof out one day. Right. And criticism doesn't mean I, you detest something. And I think there's right. a lot of um, assuming that if you're critical of combat or a story or something of a game that you just intrinsically think it's bad. It's like there are things that I don't necessarily like about a lot of the RPGs I love Um, about thing. There are things that I'm not a big fan of or I'm critical of or criticize in, say, Final Fantasy nine. But that doesn't mean I hate Final Fantasy nine. And I think whenever I think a lot of times. Well, I don't want to say a lot of times. I think the vocal individuals that. uh, yell or from the Mm -hmm. rooftops cuss out people or reviewers um for not liking or being critical or criticizing a system in a game i think there's a disconnect it's like it's not that we we don't necessarily hate it it's just this is this is the job this is we have to be critical of it yep and being and you're right being critical is not always negative like being a critic also means talking about the things that you love which we also do yeah yeah so what is like you've like you've said you've reviewed a bunch of things what's been the most stressful or like the quickest turnaround that you can recall like a game like a long game that like you get on a code on a saturday have to have it out embargo lifts on a monday like is there any games that like really stick out in your mind as I never want to go through something like that again. I have a horror story and I want to be extremely clear. Like, I think, I think there's a tendency kind of when telling war stories like this to glamorize it a little bit. It's like, Oh, it was so hard, but it was so cool. I want to be really clear. This was not a good idea. This was bad. It was a, Mm -hmm. I would not, I would not do this again. I would, if I was given this opportunity, a second town in time, insane as it is, I would turn it down. So when I was still working at App Trigger, um, again, I was a co-editor of the site. Uh, we were really trying very hard to get on the map. We were pushing ourselves very hard. Um, and we were offered, because this is before Nintendo like really locked things down for smaller creators, which they have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were offered uh, a Nintendo Switch early. So this is 2017. Oh, wow. Uh, we were offered a Switch with Breath of the Wild, 1-2 Switch. And then I think we also got Just Dance, mm-hmm. uh, which was already out, but... You know, we were reviewing that too. Yeah. Uh, so we were only offered one Switch, and all those games were on the Switch. So only one person, because we're all spread out all over the place, could do this. So I had, and we got them a week and a half before the Switch launch. So I had, in the space of a week and a half, to write, to test the Switch hardware and review the hardware. I had to test and re- play and review Breath of the Wild, uh, one, two Switch, and Just Dance. Uh, if it had just been one, two switch, just dance on the hardware, it would have been tight, but it would have been okay. Yeah. Uh, because a hardware review, you know, you can get that out and you, you can, you can play mm-hmm. with that for a little bit and you can talk about it pretty easily. The switch was pretty bare bones at launch. So it was easy enough to test everything and put that together. 
Uh, one two switch. I had a group of friends over two times in the space of a week, and we played it, it twice, and that was good enough because that game is very very bare bones. Yeah. Uh, just Dance was already out, so it was just like, how does this play on the Switch? Easy. Breath of the Wild. On top of all those, no, that was. I gave that game I can't a imagine. ten, and it deserved it. But and I did finish that game. I finished the story of that game. I found all of the memories and I finished the story of that game. And I loved that game so much. Mm-hmm. But I, I and I was at the time I was also working like this was my part time job. This was not my full time job. So I was working a forty hour a week job and I was coming home. And from the moment I got home at like you know five thirty p.m. after my commute or whatever it was until like like eleven at night I was playing. And then I would get up in the morning at six, like play another couple hours, and then go to work. And then I would play all weekend. I think there was like one or two weekend sandwich in there. Uh, and it was it was 60 hours. And yeah. that, it, that on top of all the other things I was also reviewing and also writing these reviews. Like, like it, it was not acceptable. I By the end of it, I was not getting a lot of sleep. Uh, and I was not, it's not like a healthy thing to no, do. No, it really sit, isn't. To just sit in front of a TV or a computer screen for however many hours by the by the end probably like 18 20 hours a day. Like that's not that's not healthy at all. But that's what I was doing. Yeah. And I love Breath of the Wild and I gave it a 10 and I I stand by that review, but I don't on top of just not being a good experience for me as a human being, like I don't think I, I don't think that was a good way to review a game. Like just in general, I again it, it I feel conflicted because I stand by my review, but I don't stand by how I reviewed it. If that makes sense, like no, a hundred percent. Very much. So I, I came back to the game. Uh, I could. I when I was done with that review, I put it down. I could not pick it up again. I did not want to. I was so, I was so sick of this game that I loved yeah. so much. Uh, and so I walked away, and I didn't come back until Champions Ballad the following December. And I didn't review Champions Ballad. Um, I think I wrote about it. Maybe I might have reviewed it, but I, it wasn't on a timeline. Mm-hmm. Um. But I just played Champions Valid at my own pace, and I found that I loved the game so much. I went back and did all the shrines that I had missed. I did Terrytown, and I did all this other extra stuff, and I had such a wonderful time with it. But like, it's just sort of recognizing that critically, like as a critic, my feelings about that game are the same. Like I thought it was just like as perfect a game as you can get. Yeah. But my personal feelings on it were so different. This is night and day how much I loved that um, the second time, and I like. I, Tears of the Kingdom is coming out, and I don't know how much time Nintendo is going to give people for that. Uh, but I hope they give them time because it, it's the kind of game that deserves to be given. Every game deserves to be given yeah. time, I think. But especially a game like that that is so immersive, simmy, and like like full of all these just different things that you can discover and and that you want to take your time with. So yeah, that was that was not a good experience. I I would turn down the opportunity to have a Switch a week and a half early and Breath of the Wild a week and a half before everybody else uh if the only way to get it was to do that again it was not good yeah in situations like that it it can be fun like the first 24 48 hours after that it's just oh my gosh what did i agree to yeah like even if you absolutely love the game it's just a mental train and i do um i'm pretty much the same with you, like, all my game stuff, this, the the show, my writing, everything like that, the guides I've done for IGN, it's all extracurricular. It's all things I do on top of my normal 9 to 5 job. So, it's, it's balancing it and still maintaining a healthy life. And, yeah, it can be kind of cool. It's like, I'm really excited 
to dive in. Like, this is something I've been really excited for. But then when you have to, when a, a fast turnaround is attached to that and content to do it, it's like, it, it wears you down really fast and it stops becoming as exciting. Um, and I think, as I think you one go, of the reasons why this happens too is like... We're getting older? That's what well, I feel. <laughs> so I'm at IGN now and I, yeah. I have the luxury. I don't have to do this anymore. Like yeah. with, with all the... Yeah, the Pokemon reviews I've done have been on pretty tight turnarounds, but it's my full-time job now. I have... If I talk to my department heads, I have 40 hours a week in the office to sit down mm -hmm. and, and do this stuff. And then I... I mean, I usually admittedly... With, with Scarlet and Violet, certainly, I went over that. Like, I, I played on the weekends. Because I also, I'm a reporter. I have other things to do in the yeah. office. Uh, but, you know, I have I have that time now. And also, like, it is literally my job. Like, IGN's the biggest site. I don't need to worry if I don't get this review out on time, or no one's going to see it. Like, that's not, like, IGN's not in that position. But I have been there. And, yeah. and the problem is that a lot of the people doing this heavy crunch are at people who are at, like, like mid-sized sites that are up and coming or like very, very small creators who are just trying to get noticed. Mm -hmm. And maybe they've, maybe they've like, like struck gold and gotten lucky with a code that they know is going to do well for them. Or, you know, they, they've made, made a connection somewhere and they've been able to get like a really big code and they know if they get this review out on embargo, they will get attention. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. you know, it's a really tight turnaround. And the unfortunate answer is like, I don't, I don't have a solution for that. Like yeah. I, I would beg, I would beg you not to, crunch yourself and not to push yourself for that but i i'm very cognizant of the fact that the only person who suffers from that is you like the game doesn't yeah. suffer from that no one else does i think the real solution is what what i have found support for at ign it's when we are given things on tight turnarounds to just say no sorry we're not gonna make that mm -hmm. cargo like we're gonna go over and that's what we did with scarlet and violet uh because it needed we needed more time with it, number one. And two, the online wasn't available. Like, that was yeah. one of the big big issues. But but the other issue was that I was able to finish it before the embargo lifted, but I didn't have enough time to finish it and write the review and do the video embargo and do all this other stuff. Yeah. And also feel that I had taken a serious, critical look at this game. And so exactly. we said, no, we're not doing it. And if all of the big sites turn around and say, hey, actually, this sucks, we're going to wait, then that frees up smaller creators mm -hmm. to be able to also take that time. But it requires, it requires collective action between a bunch of competitors. And yeah. I, I don't think even if, even if the individuals, like the individual editors and writers, like, like I said, Dan Stapleton and Tom Marks at IGN are incredible. And they'll be like, yeah, you need more time. Take more time. Please do. Uh, but even if all the individual editors would do something like that, and I actually think that the vast majority of them would, uh, the people who need money at the top are going to be upset about that. So yeah and for those of you that for listeners that maybe are doing it the, the smaller sites or your personal blog and you just got a code i i 100 percent get yeah. that rush that feeling is uh, that excitement of getting your early codes or landing that first code it, it is incredibly exciting but just try to keep in mind if you push yourself too hard your writing in the end result will can suffer and but i i know it's like oh man you landed your first code i i remember it i remember that feeling i remember i that exuberance of oh man have i have i i i've i've tickled that dream i've had of doing games media or joining ign or what have you um but just 
take care of yourself and know when something is beyond your your time and capabilities. I think is so important. One of the things I remember, it was while I was still at Dual Shockers, and it was for Final Fantasy VII Remake, and we got the code on a Friday, and the game was coming out Tuesday. And I had to play through and record an entire playthrough of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, bud. Yeah. Um, And it was one of those times, it's like... I, I volunteered for it. I knew what I was getting into. This is nothing against the the old crew at Dual Shockers. Honestly, they said just try and play up to X point. But I was like, no, I can I can do a full a full playthrough. And prob like you said, I was like, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have. Um, but I remember, yeah, the oh, and like you said, it's like this probably sounds pompous but it's like oh poor you you got to play the most critically acclaimed or anticipated game weekend early like non-stop and it's like yeah but it's like i look back and i i find myself wondering would i have enjoyed my time my experience with the game more had i not been under that crunch under that um feeling of needing to just get through um, to be able to take my time a bit more, and and with that I don't know, but with seven remake or with seven rebirth coming out in the next twelve or twelve to fourteen months, with sixteen coming out in June, it's like if I got offered sixteen, I can't necessarily say I would turn it down, but I kind of was like I want I want a game for me that's like a a game I want to just enjoy to enjoy and not necessarily worry about content for. But it yeah. it can be it can be tough, um, saying no or saying I need more time. I I get it. Yeah, and I I think I I want to be really clear too. I don't think the onus should be on like small creators for this. I no, mean, I for think, sure. I I urge I urge you if you are at all able to make the decision to pass on stuff that is going to like cause physical or mental harm to you, like. Like this is just, it's just video games. Games aren't please, worth it. Please, games please, aren't worth your mental health. Please let it health. go. Yes, you'll be okay. But I understand that some people like need to make money, and they have put their livelihood into this, and they are doing their best, or they have a boss that is telling them they have to do something, and this is literally your job. Uh, so to that I say, like the onus is on is on the folks who are established. It's on it's on yeah. outlets like IGN. It's on people who have followings who can afford to take the hit. Who can say who know who know that when they publish their thing, people will show up for it no matter what, and maybe it won't get you know the same level of millions of views, but it will still get, you know, thousands or millions of views. Like, like it's on us to say, no, we're not yeah. up with this. Uh, when, when those really, really tight deadlines are imposed. Um, now friend of the show, um, and amazing guy, uh, Jared from one of the owner or heads of torn frames and everything they asked, or he asked, and I think this is a really good point to bring up. It's like, how do you get through a bad or, uninteresting rpg in this case but any game when you're when you're on one of these assignments how do you push through and i think this is the worst case scenario like if a game is so like mediocre i think there's some joy that can be had or like hilarity in really bad games but when a game is just mediocre how do you push through or how have you pushed through those slumps those those late nights when it's like you have to get it done, but it's just so brutal too. 
Yeah, this is this is my experience with Harvest Moon One World. Honestly, like it wasn't. I gave it. I, I gave it a five. We decided. <laughs> is that what mm-hmm. we remember it was? It, this was a while ago. I don't remember. It feels like a five in my head. Uh, yeah, that was that was a game that was just deeply mediocre. Like it was just so nothing. I wasn't having. Fu- I wasn't having a miserable time. Like it wasn't funnily broken or like atrocious. It was just so nothing, and so yeah. I mean, I think it helps that it's my job. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You kind of, no matter what job you have, like, I, I work at IGN. Not every day at IGN is a freaking thrill ride, right? It's a job. Like, yeah. Some days, some days are bad. Some days are really amazing. Some days are kind of, in, most days are kind of in between somewhere. And I really love my job. But, you know, you just kind of accept that some days you have assignments that are going to be kind of a drag. And you just, you know, you you put on some music. You take breaks. You take mm-hmm. lots of little breaks. Um, and you, if you, if you have, if you're, if the code people have been gracious enough to give you lots of time, uh, you you know intersperse it with doing other things. You maybe play a little bit of another game for a while. But you know if you're not, sometimes you just gotta push through. Mm-hmm. You just gotta you just gotta tell yourself, well, this is the thing I have to do, and at this time I'll be done with it. And when it's done, I can go play something else. Like I don't I don't have any great advice for that except that you just you just kind of do it. Uh, and I yeah I, I think we are we are it's it's sort of a weird give and take because in the industry we're in, like most. Most things are five or above, and I know that's an observation a lot of people make, and it is because it's not really worth it to review games that you know are not going to get a lot of attention, mm-hmm. and the kinds of games that you know in advance are going to get a lot of attention are ones that have a lot of money and talent poured into them already, and so inevitably those are all going to be at, at least functional, like at least above average probably, um, when, when the average is the sum total of all games ever, and so like... it. it yeah, if a game happen. has a publisher, more often than not, the publisher wouldn't let the the studio release like a two out of five or a two out of ten or a four yeah, out it's of gonna ten. be like fine at worst, probably. I mean, not always the case. I've we oh, IGN 100%. gave out some twos last year, uh, but but yeah. So I think there's a little bit of mercy in the fact that these things don't happen a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and and when they do, you just kind of grit your teeth and treat it like a job. That that's my advice: treat it like a job. Yep. And if, if it is a job or if it's not, treat it like one. Yeah. And I will say sometimes pushing through those slumps can, um, you can come out the other side and it can be sunshine and rainbows. Cause I know I had to push through, uh, I bounced off the original Xenoblade Chronicles heart when it was on Wii. But when I was forced to kind of push through and beat the game for review for dual shockers, it was like, okay, I get why people like it. Um, same thing with Trails of Cold Steel. I had to, I bounced off the original initial PlayStation three release, got the review for well, during my, as with irrational passions pushed through. And, and as many people can d- attest to, it's one of my favorite series of that, uh, at this point is because I did push through. So sometimes it's, there's that slump, especially if it is a quick turnaround, it can be hard to, to keep the gas going, but just, you know, put on your sweat headband and your wristbands put on some pump up music from the 80s and you know take it to the limit as it as it were good snacks help it, yep. ha- it helps to surround yourself with other things you like i guess that that's my other advice is if yeah if you have if you one once you're pretty confident that you've listened to the music and sound situation of the game you know put put on some music if you if it's very if it's really very grindy i don't i don't recommend this for a lot for every review because like like for story focused games you really need to be paying attention but if you're in a situation where it's just something stupid grindy 
put something on on the TV and like like play on your PC or like your Switch or whatever if that's your situation. Like if you're able to yeah. turn something else on and just sort of like let yourself be distracted while you're getting through the grindy bits. Uh, I did a lot of grinding in Bravely Default, and like I just had something on the TV while I, just while I was doing the grinding. Mm-hmm. Can't do it on every game though. I love Bravely Default. Oh, it's great. I, I'm I'm a sicko who will defend the first Bravely Default, even the parts that people don't like. Oh, so. br- by far, Bravely Default one is my favorite deep Bravely Default game. Um, yeah, I did like I did like the the recent one. It's good. Oh, th- my issue. I I felt like Bravely Default two. I enjoyed it as well. Um, I felt like it lost some of the whimsy that was in the earlier ones. Yeah, a little bit. Like I miss having the cat class or the patisserie <laughs> chef or like just those kind of like fun zany things um bravely second they're talking about food like basically every other conversation right um i thought the music was definitely a step oh. up from bravely uh bravely yes. second because they got the original yes. the original guy back yeah uh bravely default one i still think has my favorite uh tracks of the game of the series but bravely default two brought it back it was good to see uh Oh but my yeah. god, are you like, are you the, sorry, this is such a tangent, are no. you the only person I can talk to about this? Uh, you remember, you remember Ares theme in, yeah. like, her, her boss battle in the first Bravely Default? Yes. Really, really good, like, Wicked Flight or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. They totally brought the motif back for a certain boss fight at the end of Bravely Default 2, and yeah. I heard it, and I lost my mind. It was so still, good, right? Oh my god, no what I, I can't gush about this with anyone else, because nobody has any idea what the hell I'm talking about. Oh my god, thank you. Oh my god, we, uh, I think I might have talked about the first Bravely Default on an episode, but I am 100% down if you want to come on. Yeah, call me when Bravely you're doing Default. A Bravely podcast. Bravely, <laughs> some Bravely goodness. Um, oh I'm, gosh. I'm still holding out hope that one day Nintendo will release a Bravely Default and Bravely Second, like, Switch port. Oh, I want that yeah. so bad. That'd be great. That um, and Golden Sun, man. And Golden Sun. O- those games are also oddly similar, because, like... The whole, I don't know. I I feel like some someone once told me that bravely defaults is like what what if that team just went and made a different what if what if the Golden Sun team just went and made a completely different RPG and I'm like oh actually that does track in a lot of ways yeah just have the team go and do that and throw in a job system like a more traditional job system I know you you have classes and stuff in brave or Golden Sun but yeah I and I gotta say. I was so disappointed by the the removal of a lot of those quality of life and just adjustments in Bravely Default 2, like Mm. encounters or being able to just turn off experience gains so you can just grind like job points and vice versa. I missed those. Yeah. I know like enemies were wandering around the battlefield, so like adjusting encounters might have been more difficult, but why take away my sliders of (laughs) turning off experience points? And stuff. <laughs> I was disappointed, but still good. And they left it open. Like Bravely Second was left open for a sequel. Bravely Default Two has was left open. It's like, come on. And we know Team As- Asano is working on stuff besides Octopath Two. Keep them coming. Yeah. Brave, bl- bravely Third. Let's go. So I'm curious. Do you think the sequel to Default Two will be Second Two? Uh, so there was, like, this weird, like, rumor that was going around for the longest time that they were going to do a Bravely third, and, like, because, you know, they're all kind of, like, weirdly pun-related, because yeah. there was a thing in, I think, 
my memory is really fuzzy. I think there was a thing in Bravely Second called the the Brave Sword or the Sword yes. of the Brave, whatever. And they were kind of like trying to do like an, oh, Bravely Third. It's like Bravely Sword, like trying to say that Third and Sword sounded the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's a little like you're, you're reaching a little bit with that, but also I could see them doing like a weird menu Easter egg like they did in the other ones for that. Yeah. So I kind of am still on the train of, oh, they'll do Bravely Third. And then they'll do Bravely Default three, but I don't I don't know I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah, I could see Bravely third being a continuation of Bravely the first default second and second like yeah. continue that. But I would be curious. Or like a weird like a weird merger between Bravely the like the like a sequel to Bravely second and also a sequel to Bravely Default two like the kind of weirdly. I I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm getting really inventive here. Yeah, I don't. It, but, you know, it could be something totally zany because this is the same studio that has Oc- Project Octopath Traveler just turn into Octopath Traveler, Triangle Strategy, oh. all these wonky-ass names. They're always, they're uh, always naming games, weird things around They here. are. I mean, they're pretty quality, so I, I can forgive them. I mean, we're, what, like a month away from uh, Octopath 2? Uh, oh, I didn't play the first one. Maybe I should. It's good. Um, I'm I. The main thing I'm hoping from this other this new one is just that the story is more intertwined because everything felt very disjointed um, yeah. in the first game. But a, a lot of really good characters. Wonderful soundtrack. I think you would love the soundtrack. Like, I feel like I got out of Live Alive what people said they wanted out of Octopath Traveler. Yeah. I think it's a bit. I don't know. Like I must sucker for job system so i would i kind of bounced off of live a live because i'm not a big um mostly i i bought it i i'm glad they did it uh but the whole disjoint choose a different character or choose a character go through their story and then you swap that's always been kind of i've never been a huge fan it's part of why i've bounced off like the saga games and whatnot and at least in octopath you can join up with the rest of the characters it's just i wish their stories were a bit more intertwined like a more um traditional i guess square rpg but still uh, good didn't bother me any yeah oh it didn't bother a lot of people i know i'm in the uh the uh minority um that's okay but not every yeah. game has to be for everyone 100 percent, and that's totally fine yep there are many games but so what's what are some games that you hope if you had one game this year that you're like, I called dibs on this, what would you want oh to review? If, if I... you were given an adequate amount of time to do so comfortably. See, I'll... see, that's it. If I could be given like two entire months, I would take Tears of the Kingdom easily. Mm-hmm. Like if you could promise me, no matter what, that I will have two months for, uh, for, for Tears of the Kingdom, I would review that in a heartbeat. There is no way on God's green earth that they give reviewers two months for tears of the kingdom. I hope they give them more. I hope they give them a decent amount of time. I, I, I freely admit that two months is asking for too much. Yeah. Like, like I, that, that is a lot. Uh, but yeah, that, that would be my pick. Um, it's kind of weird. Like apart from that, I don't, there's not a lot of games that I'm really like obsessively looking forward to this year besides mm-hmm. that i feel like i kind of walked into this year with a like a clean slate i don't i don't really know what's coming and i don't i don't know what i want mm-hmm. um i think like 
one of my favorite things that has happened to me while reviewing a game is is being sort of shoehorned into doing a review that I did not plan to do and that I did not ask for and then finding out that I loved that game. So uh, back, again, back when I was at App Trigger, because I was sort of in charge of assigning out reviews, uh, we were we had we had freelancers, but like there's, there's like a lot of things wrong with the site that, with the company that owned that site actually, and so mm-hmm. like people were not getting paid very much. It was not a great situation for anyone. And so, like, we had freelancers on hand who were taking reviews, but they really weren't getting paid enough for it. And like, mm-hmm. I very much acknowledge that. So we had a lot of situations where people would just kind of bail on reviews. Like, like they'd sign up for them, and then last minute they'd be like, oh, actually, I don't have time. Which I, like, completely understand if you're not getting paid. Like, fuck that. Um, but the result was we then had a code that we had promised to review for, and no one to do it. And so mm-hmm. I ended up taking on a lot of those reviews. And one of the ones that I took on in that exact situation was uh, this game called Owlboy. And... I freaking loved Owlboy. Yeah. Like, I, I totally I forgotten no about Owl, Owlboy. Yeah. I had no idea what that was going in. I wasn't like super excited about it. It didn't look like my cup of tea. And then I just absolutely fell in love with it. And so like, I, I guess, I guess the answer to your question is I would like to sort of be not forced into doing a review. I don't want to do, but like introduced to something that I wasn't expecting to review <laughs> mm-hmm. and I would like to fall in love with it. That is what I would like to happen. I would like to be surprised. I always like being surprised by video games. Yeah, and I feel like it's so hard nowadays to be surprised by a game. Like Vampire Survivors yeah. just surprised me because I saw yeah. a random YouTube video once and it looked cool and I played it back early. This was before it kind of blew up everywhere, but it was like, holy holy moly, this is this is good, but those surprises are always nice, especially in careers when playing games or writing about games is your profession. Yeah. Having those surprises. Um, now, one thing I've asked uh, other friends of ours, Michael Hyam and, and others, yeah. and it's, it's one of, it's going to be a big seller, but what do you, what is the best approach you think studio or like companies should approach hogwarts with oh wow uh so and i completely understand if you would prefer if you feel more comfortable not touching on this no i'll this is a complicated one yeah like i think because we're like i i haven't tweeted at all about it because tweeting about it is just inviting a bunch of yeah jackasses to come make your day and your week really horrible um and i asked this specific just to give you a heads up it's like we we have so many friends from oh, various sites and we are bound to know a couple that get saddled or have to do coverage whether it's reviews whether it's guides what have you for yeah, this yeah. game 100%. and what sucks is because it's a job for so many people yes they have to but it's so many people are going to give them shit for it like not yes. friends and it's like i don't know wh- and I feel bad for them. I, I feel bad for the situation, but it's like, I don't know what the best situation is. I, I don't think like a site like IGN, I don't see just being, we we are out of the goodness and principle of the matter. We are not covering Hogwarts. We are not reviewing Hogwarts. I don't see that. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot going on with this. I think like the answer for every individual is going to be different. If you are... A content creator who mm-hmm. you run your own channel and you are in charge of your own self, like you don't really need to cover Hogwarts. Like there's not yeah. you if you are responsible only to you, 
uh, and you are just working on building an audience, there's no need to cover a game, which, just to be, like, super clear here, uh, is is entirely focused on and making money for an IP uh, that is, is created and run by a transphobe who still makes money on this stuff. Like, like a clear avowed transphobe. Right. Uh, and in, in and of itself, like, contains, we know, based on the marketing so far, contains, like, maybe potentially very har harmful stereotypes of uh, Jewish people and maybe some other problematic elements as well. So, like, just many reasons uh, to feel uncomfortable touching this. Uh, the transphobia being the main one, I think, yeah. uh, just because of where the, where the money's going and who it's supporting. Um, anyway, so if you were an individual, like, like, there's no reason to touch this, I don't think. Like, I, mm -hmm. I would... I don't know that there's a compelling argument uh, to just do that because you think the game is interesting or you like it. There's many things that are interesting or that you can like uh, that don't support uh, a transphobe. Uh, so you can just go do that. For other websites, this is a really hard question. Um, yeah. I think if you have uh, somebody uh, who cares about money and does not care about whether or not they are transphobic or anything or thinks this is fine and they are telling you, hey, for your job, you have to do this, like, I mean, you have to cover it. And I think you can cover it in as responsible a way as possible. I think you can, like, let people know, hey, this is what's going on with this game and, and be, like, very honest about your feelings with it um, as much as you can. I think, ultimately, we cannot we cannot fight uh, the ills of, of capitalism and transphobia if we ourselves are jobless and penniless. So, yeah. you know, do your best to make your audiences aware of what's going on and also keep your job and, and keep yourself eating and with a roof over your head so that we can fight a bigger battle tomorrow um, mm -hmm. continue to fight transphobia tomorrow um i've had like and so here's where i get to kind of what we're doing at ign and i want to be like really clear i don't speak for ign on this like obviously yes, 100 it we are a 200 plus person staff we have many people with many different feelings and viewpoints about this and we do not have like any kind of we are not covering hogwarts legacy policy our news team has talked extensively about this though um, just within ourselves. And on the news side of things, we're kind of in this space where we are the biggest website in games. Mm -hmm. uh, our audience is coming to us looking for coverage of Hogwarts Legacy. If they don't get it, they are going to go somewhere else and get it. And if we... There are times where I think we do not need... Like, there, there are pieces of news that I do not think we need to cover around Hogwarts Legacy because they are fluffy or they are yeah. like not... Like they don't, it doesn't serve our press release this information, fluff. right? But just in terms of knowing, like, that this game is out here and that you know it has a release date and this stuff is going on, I I'm kind of in a space where I think it actually serves our readers more to read that information on IGN if we are covering it in a responsible way that says, mm -hmm. hey, uh, this thing happened around this game the other day, also. Uh, by the way, here's the context around that game that you might want to know. Uh, here is why people are upset about it and, you know, maybe, like, rightfully upset about it, obviously. Uh, so, like, like, here's all the things that are going on around that. And so that's context that we can provide to an extremely large number of people who already know about this game or already interested in this game and who may not otherwise be aware of it. Like, I don't... A lot of people grew up with Harry Potter. I grew up with Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, same. And while many of those people are very online and are very aware and are choosing to just ignore it anyway, there's a lot of people who are not extremely online. Like, J.K. Rowling's been transphobic for a really long time. I didn't find out until the last couple of years mm -hmm. because, like, it finally... I hadn't engaged with Harry Potter in a while, and it just, like, finally entered my circles. I was like, wait, she's a what? And then I read her stuff, and I was like, wait. Oh, oh God. How long oh has she been like this? 
so this is new information for a lot of people. And IGN is mainstream enough that we could potentially be like the first time people are hearing about this. And that mm-hmm. might influence their decision one way or another. And so I, I think in terms of news, it's useful to provide that information for people in a responsible way if we know they're going to get it elsewhere otherwise. Um, I think beyond that, like, I have a really hard time speaking for us uh, kind of from other perspectives. I do yeah. think I think there is probably some level of value to reviewing this game just generally, not not IGN specifically, but just to, to any site reviewing this game through the lens of what it is, through through the lens of the world in which it is being released in. Like this is being released in a world where transphobia is a massive problem and trans people are actively dying every day because we are not treating yeah. them as people. Uh, issues think, are on the rise like attacks and whatnot are on the rise it's not in a yeah. vacuum it's right. not releasing um, in a vacuum we also again have these like, like we've only seen them through the marketing like there's this kind of weird situation uh with like like these jewish stereotypes and i i based on the marketing like i 100 percent am concerned with what's going on but i haven't played the game like i don't mm-hmm. know what's going on i do know it in the context of what harry potter has been so i'm not optimistic uh, but I think the game like could potentially be doing more damage. And I think there is value in people playing this game and writing about it and reviewing it and informing people like, like through the lens of the culture and the world in which this game exists in like games are not made in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we need responsible, thoughtful people doing that. I think we need responsible, thoughtful, diverse people doing that. I don't think I, I think the worst thing that could happen here is that I, I, I also I understand everybody boycotting it. I think that's that's probably the right call for a lot of people. But I'm also very wary of a world in which on review embargo lift day, the only reviews of Hogwarts Legacy are by fanboyish cis people. Yeah. Uh who just who just gush over how great they think this is and how Harry Pottery it is and ignore all of the actual issues. Mm-hmm. Like but I also at the same time wouldn't want to ask like my trans friend to review Hogwarts Legacy because like like fuck that. Yeah. So it's it's this really complicated conversation where I think I think anybody who wants to engage with this in some way should just like think about like think about the circumstances you are in and be mindful of the circumstances the world is in and do your best to engage with it responsibly whatever it is you're doing. Maybe that means boycotting it. I I'm god, I'm not going to buy this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh I I try very hard not to cover it unless there's like I mean we sometimes we have to because it's IGN and I I try to like let those assignments go where they need to go. Um, but I'm not, I'm not chomping at the bit to write about this game. Uh, unless there's something that I think is really, really deeply important for our audience to know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think, I think ultimately the right decision is going to be different for everybody. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want that to turn into, Oh, well she said that we should write about it and she just gave us free license to support this. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not, that's not it. I just think, I think we need responsible. The people who talk, it is good to have responsible people talking about it. Also, yes. it is not good to put money in a transphobe's pocket. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Sorry, that was really long. I'm no, really long it, I, it, I mean, that's why I asked because it's <laughs> you come from it from a very unique perspective by working at, like you said, the biggest gaming publication out there. And it's there's no right answer. And I think for readers, the best thing you can do, like on these big networks, don't assume that the person, like, jumped for joy and it's like oh my oh my gosh i i want to i want to do this like I'm super excited i mean some of them are like, it's like a oh, lot of people true. are just straight up tweeting that so you know if you're seeing that maybe <laughs> right I, I don't see that i guess maybe it's just 
my the circles I'm in and stuff, but I don't necessarily yeah. see that so much from journalists. I guess like yeah. professional journalists. I don't see that. I yeah, I see that from a lot of like YouTubers and more um bloggers, Twitch streamers, stuff like that. Those yeah. that is who I'm seeing for. But like people that this is their livelihood, like a journalist, like yourself, like uh, our friend Jess, like Mike, like like all these people. If you see them, if you see their name on a byline for a review, don't assume that they're giving plus like thumbs up to it. I think. Yeah, the world is like a really, really complicated place, and also a lot of these decisions are, or a lot of these conversations are happening behind the scenes. Like, yeah. Or, or with different people involved, right? Like, when there is a Hogwarts Legacy article, uh, new, a news-related one at IGN, like, there has been at least a conversation about what we are doing covering this. And, like, I can't, mm-hmm. I, I'm, again, so speaking not just for us, uh, but speaking just in general, like, you never know what that conversation is. Maybe that conversation was somebody up top who wants the traffic said, well, sorry, but you have to do it. And sometimes that conversation is, well... We didn't have to do this, but we thought that informing our readers about X, Y, or Z was better than not. Yeah. So it's you. You don't always know. Uh, watch the individuals, like what they're saying on an individual basis. I think is really mm-hmm. important. Like, like you can tell. Like, there's like I said, there's people on Twitter who are just like, ah, oh, yeah, Hogwarts Legacy. I the the leftists are mad, so therefore I'm gonna buy it. And yeah. Like that's that's a totally different thing. Um, yeah. It's really weird. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of people who are just like trying their best here, and I don't know where it's the world's too complicated. Maybe pe- maybe people should just not fucking be transphobic like that. That would solve that'd be awesome. Wow. <laughs> and just throw like racist and stuff into that in that too. Just yeah, just stop all it. Of it. Just stop. That's as, that's as easy as it is. Just stop. J.K. Rowling, just stop. Just Take stop. Your money. Take your piles and piles of Harry Potter money and just just stop. Just buy an island and just log off. Don't do any like yeah, just log off and just log off. Oh, it's so easy. To hashtag just stop. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But but I think that's that's gonna do it. Um, Reb, thank you so much for for just kind of shooting the shit today this was a lot of fun it's always great to talk to you we got to talk some bravely default which i haven't done in way too long and i think you provided a really good look at at some of the minutiae that goes into the world of reviews and reviewing big games yeah thank you for giving me a space to talk about this i i too have not talked about bravely default in way too long and i also like appreciate the space to talk about reviews and also about uh, really about the Hogwarts legacy thing, because like, I've been thinking about that for a long time. And like I said, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't really write about it. I can't really tweet about it because that's yeah. just, a, that's just asking to be harassed for like weeks. Uh, but, but being able to talk about it in a space where I know people are going to be cool is, is really nice. And I think it's an important conversation and just to level set, because it's just, it's one of those things. It's going to sell well. It's yeah, okay. gonna do gangbusters. It's which will spawn all other all sorts of other articles and discussions. And I hope it's not on any game of the year lists at the end of the year or yeah. Keeley's game show. Um, but yeah. 
There was I, kind of a weird conversation the other day where mm-hmm. people were like saying they really hoped that it was just like a mediocre game so people would shut up about it as quickly as possible. But I think the conversation has reached such a fever pitch that no matter what, if it's a good game, like like mechanically a good game, like people won't shut up about it. I think even if it's a bad game or a mediocre game, like people will defend it. I mean, the people that I see defend if people can go so hard defending bugs and Pokemon on my Twitter, people will go <laughs> so hard to defend things that are broken or mediocre yep. in any possible way if they think it will gain them i don't know some sort of superiority so yeah there's no there's yeah. no winning here unfortunately there isn't i i mean remember seeing all the uh postings just like on twitter and stuff when it was announced simon Pegg was doing a voice in it and it's just yeah. anything yeah. anything hogwarts legacy will bring out the defenders and detractors uh one way or the other from it so It'll be a wild time, um, but luckily there's plenty of other games I can just bury my head in um, if I need to. But yes, thank you so much again, Rabbit. It's always such a pleasure and joy to talk to you and just hang out. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking away? Oh, let's see. You can find me on Twitter at DuckValentine, and my work is at IGN.com. You can find a collection of it at IGN.com slash person. Uh, I had a couple interviews with Sam Barlow, uh, director of Immortality, that went up last week that I think are are pretty... It's one interview, but it's in two articles. I think they're pretty fun to read. And then actually, I think it's publishing this week. I'm not sure. Uh, If you're familiar with IGN's Inside Stories, uh, I was finally able to do an Inside Story for IGN. uh, Near Automata lovers. uh, Oh, snap. I I saw the final cut last week, and the video... looks amazing our video team is just stupid good at what they do very very cool we'll be sure to check out all that great stuff from reb and as always you can find me on twitter well that's not part of the the intro i have my old intro but thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today i very much appreciate it remember if you would like to share your own favorite rpgs directly with me on twitter share them at professor rpg you can also follow the show directly on twitter and i think we're also on hive and i did make an rpg university tiktok i still haven't (laughs) figured out what i'm doing with it but it's there too uh at underscore rpg university so check that out and until next time everybody stay safe stay healthy be kind to one another class dismissed